is uh, the title of my lesson this morning is uh, confession. <clears throat> and uh, confessions um, are important um, because um, you know we, we're making a statement of fact, or we're making a statement. You know, if not a fact, a statement of fact, but it is a statement nonetheless. And uh, we know that uh, the plan of salvation requires a confession. Um, you know, the, the scripture tells us <clears throat> in uh, Matthew, um, the, uh, in the book of Matthew, that uh, those who confess, uh, Jesus says rather that him who will confess me before, before man, him will also confess before my Father, which is in heaven. Um, confession is extremely important. Um, the scripture also tells us in uh, 1 John, the uh, fourth chapter, that uh, unless we confess Jesus Christ, uh, we cannot make heaven our home. Amen. So, uh, confession is extremely, extremely important. Um, with that in mind, <clears throat> in uh, 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 what is it? First John chapter four, also in verse number fifteen, <clears throat> it says that uh, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. Um, you know, confession is not just a statement that we make with our mouths, but is it also a proclamation of who we have or who we belong to. Now, confession is something that uh, not all um, believers in Jesus Christ agree on. Um, and I say that loosely um, because there are denominations out there in this world that all you'll hear it from the, their, their pulpits, you'll hear it in, you'll read it in their material, um, you'll hear um, at <coughs> funeral services um, that all you have to do is confess the name of Jesus Christ and, and you'll be saved. Um, and they have that right, but they don't have the other side of the, or the, the backdrop, the, the basis of confession. Um, in our legal system, <clears throat> when people confess to a crime, um, they have to write it down. And they have to sign it. Yes. You've seen, you know, your various cop shows or 48 hours or whatever the case may be. They'll say you know, the, the, the criminal will say, yeah, I, I confess to this, and then they'll slide on a piece of mm -hmm. legal paper and a pen and say, well, then write it down and then sign the bottom. Um, the reason why they do that, the reason why mm -hmm. there is a procedure in place in order to get a confession that will stick is because confessions, even in our legal system, are, are worth more than their weight in gold. Now, obviously, someone who confesses to a crime, the evidence has to align itself yes. with that confession. But, hey, our legal says you want to confess to a crime, and you're even, you know, in the in the ballpark, in the in the realm of of reason. They run with it. The DA will take that confession as the focal point, and then look to see if there's other evidence to support it, not necessarily the other way around. We also know in our legal system that some people confess under duress, right? Fear of, yes. fear of being physically harmed, and we know that's illegal. 
and defense attorneys will argue to get their clients off because they feel that due process was not uh, was not served, Amen. or that uh, again this confession was um, was drawn out of that individual uh, because of physical or mental distress. We know what confession is. We know the weight of a confession. Um, if I confess that I did something wrong, um, what do other people think when they hear that confession? We must have done it, otherwise he wouldn't say it. Yes. And the same is true with our confession before we uh, went down that water and grave of baptism. All of us in this room, uh, when we witness the baptisms of Thomas and Elizabeth, what did they say? They said, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of the, uh, is the only begotten Son of God. Right? And based on that confession, what, we, what were we left with? Without evidence to the contrary, we believed them. And so they were baptized. Um, <clears throat> confession is important um, in the context of what, what is in our hearts at the time. Now, we can confess something that we don't believe, and we can also confess something that we do believe. None of us in this room can tell. We can tell that the confession is valid based off of the other evidence to support that confession, just as it is in our legal system. If somebody just walked into the FBI and said, I'd like to confess to killing JFK, and they're 30 years old, right? First off, you weren't alive when JFK was assassinated. Secondly, there, there isn't any other evidence to support that confession. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to, let's take a look at the, uh, the parable of the sower. And uh, the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, um, verses uh, 3, through, 3 through 9, it, it talks about you know, again, the sower who is sowing the seed, and the seed falls in these various different places. Some on the, the wayside um, that are bowered by the birds. Uh, some fell on stony ground um, where there were, <clears throat> well, there where there wasn't much good soil, um, and so because there there wasn't good deep soil, the sun scorched them. Um, some that fell among the thorns, and the thorns kind of choke them out, and then some that fell on the good soil, on the on good ground, and brought forth, uh, what does it say, 160 and 30-fold um, what they started with. And John talks about, uh, excuse me, Jesus talks about, uh, uh, is kind of describing this parable, the meaning of this parable to his disciples uh, later on in this chapter. And one of the one of the ones I want to focus on here is in verse number 20. It says, <clears throat> verse, Jesus said in verse number 20 in Matthew chapter 13, it says, And he that receiveth the seed in so many places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not, yet he, excuse me, yet hath he not root in himself, but endureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. 
Um, he also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and, be, and he becometh unfruitful. Let's talk about this confession for a second. And uh, <clears throat> this, this confession is extremely important because it is also a, um, an evidence of what kind of soil is in our heart. We've, we've, we've heard of weak confessions, right? We've heard of superficial confessions. Um, we've heard of people who say, you know, I've confessed that I have sinned. And with this confession, I, I will dedicate myself to not doing that sin again. And then what happens uh, the very next day? They fall back into it. We've heard people stand up every Sunday and confess a sin or confess a fault, if you will, to their brothers and their sisters. But they do nothing to fix that fault. The evidence to support that confession proves that that confession is a weak one. In the book of Romans, chapter 4, <clears throat> and, uh, and I'm going to ask others to read. Um, just so I don't go into a coffee fit. Uh, Romans chapter 4. <clears throat> and if someone can read, uh, starting at verse number 16, uh, one of the brothers who wouldn't mind reading uh, Romans chapter 4, starting at uh, verse number 16. Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end. The promise might be, excuse me, let me start. Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end, to the end, the promise might be sure to all, to to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who was the father of us all. And it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against, who against hope believed in hope, but that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, now he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Let's stop right there. <coughs> talk about, uh, you know, those, those weak confessions are, are also a sign of somebody who is weak in the faith. Um, when, <clears throat> and we can go back and we can look at the Old Testament scripture, but um, Sarah and Abraham had to come together in relations. Right? In order for Sarah to be pregnant, you know the uh, Abraham, in many, many, many occasions, confessed his obedience, his allegiance to God, and the evidence showed that his confession was valid. Right, he left his family and went into uh, a land that was inhabited by other people. Um, when God told him that he was going to have a son 
confessed that he believed God. What did he continue to do into his old age with his old wife? Okay. For those of us who understand biology, I don't think I have to go any further, but the evidence proved his confession as being valid. We also know that after that son was born, he took <clears throat> he was told by an angel of God to go up into the mountain and sacrifice his son. And he confessed that he would do so. And what did he do? He proved his confession to be valid based on the evidence of action. And as <clears throat> Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 4, in talking about the, the seed that uh, God has through grace um, given an opportunity to lay hold on that promised land, he says in verse number 18 again, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now <clears throat> he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, yet neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and here's the capper, and being fully persuaded that what he was what he had promised he was also he was able also to perform and therefore was imputed to him for righteousness it's not necessarily the confession um, that is the the key it's what you do after you confess that is most important again if you have your bibles <clears throat> I'm sorry, <clears throat> just trying to keep my throat clear. Um, if you have our Bibles, let's go back to First uh, John. And if you can read, uh, we'll be looking back at First uh, John chapter four and verse number two. It says in verse First uh, John chapter four and verse number two. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Okay, but there's a lot of people who confess that, right? So what makes the confession of, say, uh, a Baptist or uh, an Episcopalian or any other denomination who believes in Jesus, what they confess that Jesus Christ is, uh, is come in the flesh. What makes our confession unique from their confession? It goes on to say in verse number 3, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof he have heard that it should come, and now, and even now, already is it in the the world. Okay, so the one who does not confess that Jesus is is coming in the flesh is the Antichrist. Okay, so what do what do we know about the Antichrist? We know that anybody who is against Jesus is the Antichrist. 
And what does it mean to be against Jesus? Anyone who does not believe in his gospel, anybody who does not prescribe to the very basic principles of the scripture, which are that there is only one Lord, one faith, one hope, one baptism, one body, and therefore one church, is not a believer of Jesus Christ and is an antichrist. How do I know this? If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians, the, uh, uh, let's see here, 2 Corinthians, the, t the 11th chapter. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, uh, let's look at uh, um, verse, number, verse number 3, 2 Corinthians 11, starting verse number 3. Uh, Paul writes here, for, But I fear lest many means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, and what Jesus do the denominations preach? Well, they don't preach the same Jesus that I preach or that, that we've heard preached in uh, the, the congregations of the Church of Christ do that. They'd hear something differently. They'd hear that Jesus Christ came to this earth and died and with his blood purchased one church Amen. and put salvation in only that one church. Yes. Now these other denominations, they're, they're not, they don't preach the same Jesus. You can go back and you can look at uh, uh, the, the warning that Paul told in the first chapter of the book of Galatians where he said, if any man, angel, whatever the case may be, preach any other gospel other than the gospel that, I have, that has been preached unto you, let him be accursed. So in 2 Corinthians again, chapter 11 and verse 4, it says, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit. Well, what spirit have we received versus the spirit that others have received, or the spirit that denominations give out in their baptisms? Well, we know the spirit that we get, right? We get the spirit of Jesus Christ, or we get the Spirit of the Holy Ghost through baptism into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, what does it say in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16, Brother Marzette? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it was the power of God <clears throat> unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Yeah. We know what the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It it is the essence of God. And it is through that essence that we have an ability to be added to that body. But, <clears throat> again, going back to verse number 4. Or if, it, if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel, even more pointedly, which we have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not wit behind the very chiefest apostles. He goes on to, uh, to talk about this. 
this in verse number 13. Um, you know, these people who preach another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. In verse 13 he says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. How do they do that? They do that by confessing Jesus, don't they? An apostle of Christ has to confess something, right? They have to confess that they are an apostle of Jesus Christ. They have to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Except, what does Paul say? <clears throat> it says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. You know, the scripture tells us that we need to try every spirit. We need to look at the evidence to see if it supports that confession. Because not every, not every, not every man who says, Lord, Lord, will make it into heaven. Because they have not lived a life, the evidence, the works that they have performed in their lives does not support that confession. And that's the reason why confession is so important. And not just the confession, but what you do after that confession. That, that really matters. <clears throat> if you have our Bibles, let's uh, let's go to the uh, the scripture reading. Uh, Romans, the sixth chapter. <clears throat> the sixth chapter. Romans, the sixth chapter. Starting in verse 6. We went uh, Romans 6. Uh, excuse me. Romans the 10th chapter, verse 6. Yes. My apologies. And before we read that, <clears throat> I want to uh, read a, a passage from 1 Timothy. Um, in <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse number 13. And, you know, let's, let's read 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting at verse number 11. You don't have to, you don't have to flip over there. I, I apologize for having you, asking you to flip back and forth. But in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 11, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy these words. Be thou, O man of God. Well, let, me, let, me, let me read that with the proper emphasis and syntax. Be thou, O man of God. Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, wherefore thou also wherefore unto thou wherefore unto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. You know, if I confess or profess, same difference, that I'm a man of God, or that Jesus Christ 
or that I believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, I have to do some things. And that's what Paul is, is writing in Timothy. If you are professing to be a man of God, what do you have to do? You have to follow after these things, or you have to flee from these from these things. And what are some of the things? Well, you can go back and read um, uh, the verses before verse 11 to find that out. But it says, if you confess that you are a man of God, if, you're, if you confess that you are a child of God, if you confess that you are a Christian, you have to live a life indicative of that confession. There has to be evidence supporting that. So therefore, you have to follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. To all Christians who have, who have confessed the name of Jesus Christ, do they do these things? No, they don't. We know that few there be that find it. We know that even in the church, there are going to be those who are going to be left out in the cold. Amen. And it really kind of puts texture behind this simple phrase mentioned in, in 1 John. You know, where it just where it says, um, those who are children of God confess him, and those who um, are who are not children of God fail to confess him. It's not talking just about what you speak out of your mouth. It's also talking about yes. what's in your heart. And that's really the basis of what Paul wrote here in Romans, the 10th chapter. If you have your Bibles, <clears throat> we'll go back and, and we'll take a look at that. Uh, starting at uh, verse number 6. It says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. You know, the, 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 the righteous, <clears throat> or righteousness which is of faith, is really not asking questions that, have, that are of no value. Right? You know, the, you know, those people who have faith are not asking the question, who's going to go up into heaven to bring him down? Or who's going to go on to the deep to bring him up? We don't ask those types of questions because God is going to take care of both of those. We know that in the time to come, Jesus will send, excuse me, God will send his son down. We know that through the power of God, God rose his son back up. So what is there to, what is there to question if we have a belief in the power of God. It goes on to say in verse number 8, so what does the, the righteousness which is of faith, what, what, is, what do they say in their hearts? The word is nigh thee. And I like how it says, the word is near thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith. 
And it's immediately followed by verse number 9. That if thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You know, confession has to come with a belief. And not just a, a superficial belief, but a belief that results in action. Is there an example in the scripture of somebody who, you know, really didn't, who was baptized, but, but really didn't quite believe to the depth that, that they should have? Absolutely, there are plenty. Amen. There are plenty in our, our, in our, in our, <laughs> our own personal lives. Um, but go back and let's look at the, the parable of the sower. In Matthew chapter 13. Again in verse number <clears throat> in verse number 19, it says, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not. Then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which is sown in his heart. That is he which receives seed by the wayside. He that receiveth the seed in the stony, into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he that, that hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it. We talk about the plan of salvation all the time. One must hear the word of God. <clears throat> One must believe it. And after that belief, what must somebody do? They have to repent. And then they have to confess. Before somebody confesses, you know, before somebody, you know, before the before the righteous good, before the righteous judge, excuse me, can render a judgment based on a confession, what does he have to do? He has to do what any judge would do, is he's got to look at the evidence. Did they hear the did they hear the thing the right way? Did they hear the word of God the right way? Did they truly believe and understand what they heard? Was it repentance, true repentance? Did they honestly and truly, in their hearts, dedicate themselves to the service of God? And then the confession. Why is it that the scripture says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, and Christ added to the church daily, such as 
should be saved. Leads me to believe that those there were those who were baptized, who made the same confession that you and I have made, but were not added to the church because they shouldn't be saved. Right? To should implies that, you know, that they should be. They, they did all the necessary things, but in some way or fashion, they fell short. Mm-hmm. Even in addition to that, who adds to the church? Christ adds to the church daily, such as should be saved. Mm-hmm. Christ knows the hearts. He knows every one of our hearts and every one of our minds. Do you think people, the the ones who had uh, in verses 19 through 22, do you think they were saved? Ultimately, do you think they were saved? That that seed that was sown on the wayside, the ones who, you know, heard the word of God, didn't understand it, and then Satan came up and chewed them. You know, those who heard the word of God, but, you know, they, they were all excited about it, but... You know, then, you know, when they were persecuted as a result of their confession, they were like, eh, I'm not too convinced anymore. Or what about those who were, who received the word on, on, thorn, on thorny ground, right? And then when temptations befell them, it, it choked them out. Do you think they were saved? Did they obtain eternal salvation? The answer to that question is no. The only ones who did were the ones who heard the word of God and understood it enough to do what? They had to go about, as as, uh, Paul told Timothy, they had to follow after righteousness and love and joy and peace and all the various things. They had to, at that moment, because they understood what being a Christian entails and what repentance truly entails. They had to bear some fruit. Yeah. Worthy of that repentance. They had to build up that evidence to support that confession so that when they went down that water of every baptism, Christ could add them to the church. That's how important that confession is. You gotta have all the supporting evidence to, to go around that. Now, <clears throat> we all know um we all know what uh, you know what will happen to those workers of iniquity. Christ will say, "I never knew you." Why would he? Why would Christ not know them? Okay, you may not be truly grasping what I'm putting down here, <laughs> as they say. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to First uh, Corinthians, the, uh, the sixth chapter. <clears throat> Romans the uh, excuse me, First Corinthians the sixth chapter, starting at verse number nine. Uh, Paul wrote, "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, 
nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. It goes on to say in verse, <clears throat> verse number 18, or let's look at verse number 16. <clears throat> what know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For, for two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Therefore flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Not the body of Jesus, but his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So how can I confess the name of Jesus Christ? But with my body serve Satan. It's not a true confession. It's an invalid confession, just like in our uh, legal system today, that the jury will say, ah, the evidence doesn't support the confession. The DA wouldn't even bring that to trial, because you know that's a lose-lose situation. If we confess the name of Jesus Christ, we have to live as Jesus Christ would live. We have to do all the things that the scripture says that the only way to confess Jesus Christ is you have to have the Spirit in order to do that. Even the act of speaking, I believe something, the way the gravity, the, the quality of confession that God is, is looking for, you have to have the Spirit in order to do that. Which means that any other confession by any other person who is a part of any denomination is an invalid confession. The DA is not even going to bring that to trial. So for all of us who are here today, we cannot, we should not be deceived. Fornicators, idolaters, effeminate, etc., etc., will not enter the kingdom of heaven regardless of what comes out of their mouth. But those who are true believers, those who speak truth, who are the righteousness of faith, will say exactly what Paul wrote in uh, Romans, the sixth chapter, that the word of God is in their mouth, but also in their hearts. So when we talk about a confession. And this is certainly a lesson for me. If somebody stands up and says, hey, I want to be baptized today, one of the things that we have to consider 
is the quality of that confession. Not that we're adding to the church or anything along those lines, but why would we set someone up for failure thinking that they're saved when they're really not? So, uh, you know, man or woman, you decide you want to be baptized into the body of Christ. Well, yes. what evidence can you show that the confession that you're about to make is a heartfelt, valid confession? Mm -hmm. Have you truly repented? Do you understand what that means? Do you understand what your confession entails? Do you understand that through baptism in Jesus Christ, when you obtain the gift of the Holy Spirit, that is just not... It doesn't start, it doesn't end with the baptism. It simply begins. Do, does the person truly understand what it says in verse number 10? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Considering the fact that uh, you know, when uh, Jesus was casting out the legion. Remember the legion? Right? Um, he said, uh, you know, please spare us to uh, be cast into these, uh, this flock of pigs over here. They knew, who, they knew exactly who Jesus was. The devil knows who Jesus is. Otherwise, he wouldn't have tempted them the way that he did. The devil and his angels know God. They know both God and Jesus intimately. Why won't they be saved in the day of judgment? You thought about that? If God... If, if, excuse me, if Satan and his angels know both God and Jesus, if they know that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, why won't they be saved? I mean, if you were to look at just that verse there, right? I mean, if you were to hear a denominational minister say those words, all you have to believe, all you have to do is believe and confess, then that should be enough for Satan and his angels. To inherit eternal life. But it is not. Because they haven't. They haven't lived the life. They haven't. There are, their actions do not support. The confession. Of a righteous man or woman of faith. So the lesson is yours this morning. If you are not living as you should. If you are not building up your body of evidence to support your confession, you can start today. Um, as, I, as, we, as we prayed this morning, um, all of us will be truly blessed to wake up tomorrow. Amen. You know, I, I don't even like to, to think about it, um, but Brother Bill may not be here. You know, I was thinking about Brother Bill's situation. I thought, you know, if somebody's going to pass, let them pass in their sleep. And Brother Bill almost passed in his sleep. But he was blessed to have survived through the glory of God. Amen. 
Every day is a special day. We may not make it. So, while today is today, you need to build up that evidence to support what you feel in your heart. If you, if you truly believe that you are a man or woman of God, you truly believe in Jesus Christ, well then, you need to have lived a life indicative of that belief and that confession. Yes. If you haven't been doing that, um, you can make that right this morning. You can come to God in the spirit of repentance and ask Him for forgiveness. Um, and you can rededicate yourself to doing just that. So what do you have to do? What does it require you to do? Well, <clears throat> what did 1 Timothy chapter 6 say? Um, I'll go back here and read it. Very simply, it says, get away from all that other bad stuff and follow after... What does it say? Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. That's all you got to start doing. That's all you have to give your life to do is following after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Uh, we're not going to talk about contentment today because that's an entirely, entire another lesson, but contentment is also an important facet of that as well. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Um, you got to have both of those. So are you content with what you've got at this moment in time? How many lottery tickets did you buy the other day? I bought like two or three. Why? More money, more money, more money. I got some good stuff, but I could get a whole lot of better stuff. Right? Is that contentment? Probably not. I don't think that's contentment, right? So, again, if, if you're here this morning and you need prayers of strength, um, please take the opportunity at this time. Um, for the little one who is not a Christian yet, just understand that you have to, before you come up, you have to have already dedicated yourself. Before you come up, you have already, you should have already repented and said, God is the only person I'm going to follow. He is going to be my master. He is going to be my guy. That is, that has already happened. So when you confess and you stand up here and you say, I believe, you can say that with full assurance of your heart. Amen. And the righteous judge, God and Christ will say, yeah, yeah. Um, there's evidence to that. I can see that in their heart. And you will be added to the church. Christ will add you to his church. Um, as, you, as, as such, it should be said. So if you're here again and you need prayers in the church, um, please, please come forward. Just stand and sing the song. All things.